Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. I am your host, Sam Stasekel, joined by your other host, Paul Tenorio. Paul, what's up tonight, man? Just living the dream as always, you know? COVID, COVID, COVID reporting, and uh, and very little soccer. But that might change. It might. It might. And we're going to talk a lot about that, um, as you might expect. MLS is back, maybe. Um, the, the league is starting to arrive in Orlando, the San Jose Earthquakes, as we record here on Thursday evening, um, arrived in Central Florida yesterday. They were the first team to arrive ahead of the start of the tournament on July 8th. Orlando entered the bubble today on Thursday, um, and a few more teams will start to trickle in over the weekend and into next week. Um, so we are we are getting there. We are getting closer to the resumption of the MLS season, maybe. Um, now, I think we both think that it's going to happen, but the reality uh, on the ground there in Florida and in Orange County, where where the players and the coaches and the staff are staying at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel, um, is that the coronavirus is spiking. Uh, Florida is having a pretty serious surge of cases. Looking at some of the data, um, the latest data, um, Orange County had a single day record uh, for number of cases confirmed um, on on Wednesday, which is the latest data available. They're, they're having high rates in terms of number of people tested versus positive tests. They were up near 15% yesterday, 17% the day before. Um, Osceola County, um, the numbers aren't as high. I don't believe it's as populous of a county. But, you know, it's similar. It's, we're talking about record highs and high rates. Osceola County is where the wide world of sports, where all the games and trainings will be held, is located. We also have some coronavirus positive tests coming for teams around the league. Colorado had a positive case that they announced uh, the other day. Um, They're currently in the process of having a potential second, depending on the results of that player's second test, which is needed to confirm that the first one wasn't a false positive. Uh, So there's a lot happening, and a lot of people are asking me, and I'm sure they're asking you too, Paul, is this thing actually going to happen? So why don't we break that down? Um, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I both, when we were preparing for this podcast, thought, you know, as soon as MLS gets down to Orlando, and really already before that, there's a commitment to have this tournament happen. Um, You know, it's not as though the league is not aware of the, you know, the spiking numbers in Florida. The, The league is certainly aware of that. And I think that they, um, you know, they believe that they've put together a bubble that has flaws. Sure, it's not perfect, but that, you know, players are safer in this bubble than they would be in their home markets and thus, you know, are safe enough to play soccer. So do I think it's going to happen? Yes. Do I feel confident that the entire tournament will be played and that something you know, something doesn't happen in the midst of the tournament that could be bad. No, I think there's so many unknowns with COVID that you you have to kind of be prepared for the worst. We've seen, you know, we've seen the worst a few times now. Um, but I, I do think this tournament will will go underway, and I, I do think we'll have soccer games, and you know, hopefully it does go smoothly, and hopefully everyone is okay and safe and healthy, and and um, and then you know we figure out what comes next. Yeah, it's gonna be. Um, like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm generally of the opinion that they're going to play, and I share a lot of the same thoughts that you just expressed. That you know, once teams get down there, 
uh, they're going to be pretty well isolated and I think pretty well protected. Um, I think it's important to note that while the league has constructed this bubble, it's not a true bubble and, and not to be crass here or anything, but I was talking to somebody the other day who works for a club and he, the, the person said basically, you know, calling this a bubble is like calling a condom with a bunch of holes poked in it a condom. It's, it's not quite a bubble in that same way. There are people coming and going throughout. Um, the hotel workers are going to be coming and going. The people that work at the wide world of sports are going to be coming and going between the facility and their homes and everywhere else that they decide to go in central Florida. Um, and so that's going to create some risk. Uh, the league is doing what it can to mitigate that risk, right? So, you know, players and staff, for instance, they don't have to have housekeeping. It's totally up to the individual if they want to have housekeeping come into their room. And if they do, they can schedule the time so they're not in the room at that time. Um, they can do this all via app. They can have food delivered to their room. Um, they'll actually have food delivery services available to them. So, you know, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Caviar, etc. They'll be able to do that and then it'll be dropped at the front of the hotel and they'll figure out a way to ferry it up to the individual's room. Um, there's going to be security at the hotel. Um you know, more so, I think, to prevent people from getting in who aren't authorized to be there, probably to prevent people from getting out, too. There's no real word on what the punishments for any players or coaches or anybody else who tries to, you know, break out of the hotel and, and go, go out into the real world. Um, no real word on what those punishments are going to be. I think that's still being worked out. Um, but it, it is going to be a pretty safe environment, I think, down there. The main concern that I hear from talking to people that are actually going to be in this bubble, players, staff, etc., is what if one team gets it and it spreads throughout that team and spreads throughout the hotel that they're all going to be staying in? That's kind of the main concern. And I think that's one of the ways that this tournament could be shut down is kind of if you have a situation like we've seen in NWSL, although that story is developing, with the Orlando Pride where a bunch of people tested positive and they ha they had to pull out of the NWSL Challenge Cup in Utah. Um, but if you have a situation like that with several teams, I think it would take several, maybe like four or five teams <laughs> uh, in MLS for that to end the tournament. Um, but that's one way that this thing could get shut down. Um, Florida shutting it down is obviously another way, um, given everything that's happened with their governor and kind of his, uh, tendencies. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen with Ron DeSantis. Um, but we'll see. Um, I do think this thing is going to move forward. Um, and I'm hopeful that it goes off without, without much of a hitch. Although, you know, understandably there's some real anxiety among the people that are being asked to go down there and away from their families for an extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think, it, I think the most interesting thing will be to see how the protocol unfolds um, when there are positive tests or if there are positive tests, hopefully there are none. We've seen that there have been positive tests at team facilities during training and, you know, we know that those positives, even the false positives that are occurring at the, the team facilities are causing disruptions in training, um, in the kind of protocol for the team and what, what players are able to do and not do. And so I'm interested to see if there is a positive test, what, if any, impact that has on um, just, I'm just talking about one positive test to one individual, um, what that does to, to other teams within the league you know, how that may affect the competition. I mean, this, are, this is all uncharted territory. And I, I know the design of the bubble is to prevent any infections because 
theoretically, these players are only interacting with each other and none of them um, have tested positive if they're in the bubble. But I, I think that, um, you know, I, we have to remember that this, this is something that will not occur just from um, the, the, these potential disruptions will not occur just from an entire team testing positive, right? Like one positive right. test could cre- create disruption at this yeah, tournament. Yeah, that, so. that could mean individual training for certain teams. That could mean, you know, that we're going to see contact tracing being done. So if games are already happening, you have contact with other players on other teams and they have contact with their own players on their own teams and other players on other teams. And the whole thing is kind of a Herculean effort. Um, you know, another source that I was speaking to described it as almost like a military style effort, right? Just thinking about how to do like thousands of pounds of laundry a day in a single hotel facility. You know, I don't know, maybe they have the, the capabilities there, but you know, how do you time that all out in terms of who gets the washers win and who gets the dryers win? Like even little things like that, that aren't that big of a deal, really. Um, at least you wouldn't think is, is, is that big of a deal. Um, become a pretty serious challenge to to plan out, um, particularly for a league in MLS that, you know, they don't staff people to figure these things out. <laughs> Why would they? Um, so, I don't know. There's just so much to work through. Uh, I do think it's going to go forward. I have, a, I have a question for you, though, Paul, and I didn't mean to cut you off. So, you know, say your take, say what you were going to say first, and then you can maybe answer my question. Should this be happening? Well. Wow. I feel like I need to put aside what I was going to say to answer that question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, in my opinion, no. I, it's very difficult to come to that conclusion, partly because our livelihoods, our jobs are tied to sports going on. Um, we at our company uh, have not been immune to the impact of no sports. We've had layoffs at The Athletic. We've seen the impact that a lack of sports has had at um, companies around the country, colleagues of ours who work in different organizations. Um, so we, like many other people, are a part of this machine that sports you know, breathes money into. Um, and so it's not like I'm rooting for this to not happen. I would like to keep my job and I would like for sports to happen. Um, but I think it's it's really difficult for me to separate my own anxieties and, and concerns about this disease um, for myself, for my family, um, my parents, my wife's grandparents, um, you know, my, my daughter, uh, the people that work at her daycare, um, you know, it just kind of extends out and out and out and out and out. And, and I know it's easy when you're at a distance to maybe separate the people you watch on a sports field you know, I grew up a sports fan and I didn't think of those athletes as, you know, normal people. Um, but for, for us, we, we do spend a lot of time talking to those people and, and knowing about their lives and knowing about their significant others. And, um, and so I, I just feel like it's not worth the risk. Um, but there's a lot of money at, at, at stake here. There's a lot of jobs on the line. And so you have to balance that out too, just as any industry does. Uh, but I just can't, I just, I've had a really hard time, you know, shaking that, that feeling that, you know, there's not anything that's worth sacrificing the health of, of any person. And, you know, I, that's only been kind of reinforced as I've watched what's happened with the PGA Tour, where we've seen golfers and caddies and the family member, the, the child of a golfer test positive. 
that's the that those are the things that I just think outweigh any competition occurring. Yeah. I mean, I can't really argue too much with any of that. The one thing that I would say is that, you know, three weeks ago when this was being hammered out and finalized by the league and the players association, the picture in Florida looked a lot different. We weren't having these discussions. The cases were under control there. And now could you have anticipated this happening um, just because they were opening up and they were doing so quickly and they had been open for quite some time? Maybe, right? Um, to say that MLS should have done that, um, you know, maybe that's a little bit much of them to ask. And I get why the league is trying to come back. You said it yourself. It's about money, right? It's about money for the owners and trying to recoup some of the revenue that they lost already and that they're going to continue to lose. Um, and it's about money for the players, right? Cause if they don't play games, well, their bosses aren't going to want to pay them their full paychecks or anything near their full paychecks, which it should be noted. They're not getting their full paychecks. They had to take a pay cut as well. So, you know, I get why everyone is desiring to come back. The thing that I just keep coming back to is the worst case scenario here is pretty bad, right? And you know, it's, and you can say, oh, these players, they're fit, they're healthy, right? Even if they get it, they'll be fine. And yeah, I think the likelihood of that is is pretty, pretty high. Um, but they're not the only ones going down there. You know, you have some older coaches, you have people who have dealt with um, health concerns in the past um, that might be more, more vulnerable should they contract it, the, the coronavirus. And so that's a really real thing that I don't want to get lost because it's not just the players. There's a lot of other people traveling down there to Orlando as well um, that aren't in those same sorts of physical conditions that pro athletes are. Um, so I think it's important that that not get lost. Um, I get why the league's trying to do it. Um, I think that the likelihood of it going off relatively well and the worst case scenarios not happening is pretty good. I mean, maybe I'm a little naive to feel confident about that, but I feel kind of confident about it. Um, but the worst case, so you can have 18 of 26 teams play three or four games. It's just, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty crazy gamble when you put it in those terms, I think anyway. And, and I think there's a couple other aspects I'd like to point out here that factor into the equation. I think the first is, is certainly that this country has handled COVID about as poorly as you can and, you know, arguably worse than any other country in the world. And so restarting a league in the United States is a lot different than what we've seen in Germany and what we've seen in England and even in Italy, which once was the epicenter of the breakouts. Um, this country is seeing numbers go up, not down. And specifically, the numbers in Orange County and in Florida have gone up and not down. And so we aren't talking about um, a controlled, a country that's under control or has this under control. And, and that's why I think it's different than, you know, tuning in today, for example, to watch Christian Pulisic score for Chelsea or on the weekend to watch a Bundesliga game. Um, the country just hasn't been put in a position to be treated the same as those leagues. And I think the other side of this is when we talk about the money that's at stake and, and what needs to be made, you know, really probably the biggest beneficiary in a way of playing these games um, is the, are, are the players who negotiated um, kind of under duress to, to have this format approved. But when you speak to people at clubs around Major League Soccer, you know, this is not really a big money-making tournament for the league. 
Uh, a lot of teams are losing money. It's not. It's it's quite expensive. It doesn't do anything for your your local rights and your local sponsors and activation and your league. It helps stem the and tide, though. It, it does. It does help stem the tide, especially from a league perspective. They do have national sponsors. I'm and not saying it doesn't help financially. And the league money goes to the clubs, but but, but it gets it's not a major clubs. impact. It's not a major impact. The hope is that this becomes something that permeates out, right? That this tournament creates potentially a bigger yeah. audience, that it gives it a stage, right? That you you have kind of demonstrated goodwill with a, with the major partner in ESPN. There are all these other reasons on the outside, but the direct financial impact is not necessarily one that justifies staging the tournament or justifies going to Orlando versus putting players on charters and flying into into cities and playing at specific stadiums or choosing four different four or five different neutral locations and trying to you know there the reason this is being done is because you know a partner wanted it done it, it became a realistic option they believed they could do it safely and and it's what the league wanted to do so you know I just I don't want to overstate the financial implications there are some yes but not to the extent that I think it was an absolute no-brainer that a tournament was held. Hey, everybody. This is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show. I'm trying to imitate Sam's vibe to talk about today's sponsor, and now I'm going to do it in the way I normally would. Today's episode of Allocation Disorder is brought to you by Roman. Uh, our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can help connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home to help you treat a condition like erectile dysfunction. Uh, they make it convenient, they make it discreet, and they make it very, very easy to get treatment on your schedule. All you need to do is complete a free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. Uh, and if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You can also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. So they give you basically lots of flexibility, but then lots of ability to stay at home and not have to go anywhere, not have to actually talk to people in person about the issues you might be dealing with. Uh, so if you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, you can go to GetRoman.com slash TSS. That's GetRoman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. One more time, GetRoman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Thank you very much to Roman for sponsoring this episode of Allocation Disorder. Now back to Paul and Sam. We're going to talk about actual soccer on this show for the first time in months, it feels like, and probably has been months. Um, maybe ever, because I feel like we began by talking about the CBA um, even before the shutdown. So maybe we've never talked about soccer on allocation disorder, which is kind of fitting for an MLS podcast. But I digress. Um, I also kind of wanted to mention the fact that MLS teams are not required to disclose when they have a player or team staff member test positive for COVID-19. Now, some, like Colorado, are going out and talking about this. But, Paul, you and I reported the other day that there are others that haven't and, I guess more relevantly, aren't. Um, you know, and Dallas would be in that latter group of not reporting recent positive tests. And that, to me, I just don't. I mean, this is a broader discussion about media and PR and all that jazz, but I do not get that. Even a little bit. I don't know if you want to go down that path at all, but I'll throw it to you if you do. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think that transparency in these times is probably the most important thing. And it's an area where MLS has been historically weak. Um, but in this case, this isn't about soccer. This isn't about the stupid stuff that we usually talk about on allocation disorder. 
isn't TAM and GAM and discovery lists. This is the health of, uh, of people and of not just the players in your market and on your team, but you know, people within your market and the teams that are going to play against MLS. It, it's, it's, a re- it's a really easy decision, I think, to, to say we're going to be transparent. And Sam, I mean, you know, maybe this is pulling back, you know, pulling things back a little bit too much and, and revealing our reporting. But, you know, there are multiple teams that we didn't report on in that story that we just couldn't get confirmed that hadn't um, publicized positive tests. And so I think, you know, it's clearly a trend within the league that um, that many teams are choosing that this is not something that, that they feel obligated to put out publicly. And, and, and it's not about privacy because you're not talking about any specific players, names of players or names of staff members. You know, this is a choice to, right, um, right. to, to keep it, yeah. to keep it co- not covered up, but to keep it from being in the Under public. Wraps. Yeah. To keep it from being in the public discussion. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because several players have told me this, that they're concerned about that. Um, and maybe, maybe that's a little reactionary on their part. Um, but they want to know what they're walking into down there. And I don't think that's unfair. Um, and you know, while those players that test positive now and don't recover in time, wouldn't be going to Orlando, um, you know, they just, they, they want to know how, how ravaged or not ravaged certain teams will be. And they want that information. And I don't think that's an unfair thing to want from their perspective. And they're not getting it, at least in any official capacity, right? They can talk to teammates or friends around the league and, and find out on their own. Um, but they're not getting it in any formal way, which is which is kind of wild. And anyway, wait, Sam, I think we've... Quick, just yeah, one, one more note on yeah, that. Yeah. I think that we have to recognize that not putting out positive tests has a direct impact on the public sentiment about coming back to play. Because yes. if the appearance is and that's that, why they're allowing it. That's why they're doing it. That's why they're doing it. And it's because if there are 26 teams back at training and you only hear about a, a handful, a small handful of positive tests at, a, at across four or five clubs, you say, well, look, it's not that bad. You know, it's not, it's not that bad. They're going home in their own markets. They're coming to train. They're, they're playing soccer against each other in close contact and going home again, and no one's testing positive. And that's not the case. You know, there are more positive tests than have been out there. And, you know, the conversation is different right now about that or was certainly before article and probably still for the majority of people um, remains, you know, remains, oh, it's not that bad. And, and that to me is why I think it's it's um, a little bit bogus not to report the positives because um, it is it is, I think, taking advantage of the public trust. I think so, too. And it's and it's not even like, you know, two positive tests on a team. Well, certainly worse than one or zero positive tests. It's not like that's some insurmountable thing. You know, that's why the protocols exist. That's why the quarantine exists. It's to guard against that stuff. And a team can continue on with 24 players instead of 26 and still do fine, even in an environment in Orlando where, you know, they're not going to be in their ideal condition and the actual conditions on the field with relatively short turnarounds, although not overwhelmingly short, um, are going to be tough, um, physically. So, um, and I think, I think with that, maybe we can jump into the actual schedule here. What do you think? Sounds good. I can't wait to talk about soccer, Sam. You know how excited I get. (laughs) You do get excited. Um, so speaking of excitement, the first ever, what are we going to call this? Orlando versus Miami. 
rivalry. Is there a name for it yet? I, I, I feel like I've seen the Sunshine Classico. I, I think Franco Panizo was tweeting that one out. Um, you got you got any ideas? I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh man, uh, no, I don't know the the the, the, the Florida the, the Florida man Derby the Turnpike Tussle. You know, it's the it's. Uh, I don't think that it deserves uh, yeah. to be called a classic. That yet, sounds my that sounds weird. I don't think that's one we're gonna go. With. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I've I've made some trips down to Florida. The Turnpike, turnpike Special. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said it was even worse than that. <laughs> what did you say? I said. Turnpike tussle, as in two oh, people Jesus. tussling. Okay, yeah, that is worse. You were right. <laughs> it's, um, it's not I'm a kind classico. of into the turnpike special now. It's so it's so bad. It's good. I like it. Let's go. It's like El Clasico, you know, or what's it called, El El Trafico. Um, I mean, it's like well, Breck Shea signed for Inter Miami earlier on Thursday, so you know he's you know, a part of both Florida teams. And I feel like that's super appropriate for his whole personal vibe and aesthetic that he's got going on. So maybe we could incorporate Breck in there, but you know, whatever we can figure that out another, another day, Orlando versus Miami. That is the opener on ESPN here in the U S on July 8th, Wednesday night, less than two weeks from today. Um, followed by Nashville versus Chicago at 10 30 PM. Um, the following day, and I'm not going to read the whole schedule, I promise. That's not good podcasting. But the following day is the first of seven 9 a.m. games. That one's going to be between New York City FC and Philadelphia. Um, and that that's kind of how the group stage st- schedule goes. I think it's 16 straight days of soccer, um, nine with two games, seven with three. Um, the days with two games are just at 8 and 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the days with three are at 9 a.m. and then 8 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. So it should be pretty fun from just a viewing perspective. You have a nice little nightly doubleheader um, and sometimes a little brunch soccer. Um, I will note that the league did decide, um, along with its partner networks, or network, I should say in this case, because ESPN has all the early games, to throw Seattle um, at 9 a.m., which, of course, is 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Um, so kind of a rough break for Sounders fans there. There's also another game uh, involving Western Conference teams that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, they're not West Coast teams. It was Kansas City and I want to say RSL or Colorado. It was a Central Time versus Mountain Time, so not quite as bad, but a little bit of a difficult ask for those fans. What uh, what stood out to you on this schedule? What what you circle in red, Paul? Well, besides the Turnpike Tussle. Yeah, the Turnpike Tussle. Well, here's my question before we move to their other games. You know, over under a number of games between Orlando and Miami before Orlando gets a win. Hmm. Uh, zero. One? I don't know. They're going to win the first one. How about that? I like That's it. That's my prediction. I like it. I'll so say it's not it. going to be an Orlando-Atlanta matchup. How many games... All right. How many? How many do you think it's going to take? And and will they? Will Orlando do it before or after um, Orlando and Miami play a game in front of fans? Yeah. No. I think that they're going to win this game. I only think that because forever and ever into the future, Miami fans are going to say, "Well, you've never actually won a game that matters in front of fans," and the only win Orlando will have over Miami for several years will be this one, and it'll be kind of like the creation of some some trash talk that needs to happen between these two clubs. <laughs> okay. My, it's there a very detailed for prediction. the turnpike tussle to really heat up. <laughs> <laughs> there there are no games I, I, if I'm going to be honest, man, it's really hard to, I, to look over the schedule and say I'm really excited about this game or that game. 
because it, it, we have no idea what these teams are going to look like. Um, you know, I guess you're not excited for El Trafico, man. I'm you're not, not excited. July I'm, is Vela LA? even going to be on the field? How are we supposed to be excited? It's not going to be Vela versus Chicharito like we thought, right? There's a chance that Vela's not at the tournament, and if he's not there, it's going. I don't to know. Be... I'm still I'm still excited for it. Oh, I'm not. I, I, I guess in some way, I, there are some things I'm interested to see, right? I, I, I'm actually interested on the first day um, to, to also see the Nashville-Chicago game because the Chicago Fire are a completely new team, and we're actually going to see them with all of their new players, right? The first couple games of the season, not everyone had arrived. Now they've signed a couple other DPs who are going to be on the field, um, and, and so I, I'm excited to see what the Fire look like as a complete team with the with the a totally almost totally new roster, um, you know. I, I think, um, you know, Atlanta. I, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see Atlanta Red Bulls in that game. Obviously, there, there's a rivalry there. They play July yeah, 11th yeah, on 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 the Big Fox. No Joseph Martinez. No real solution to no Joseph Martinez. So what does Atlanta without? How, da- how dare you Joseph slander like? Adam John like that? You know, you're right. How dare you? Um, I'd like to offer a personal apology Apologize. to Adam John <laughs> right here and right now. You know, I, so I guess like there, it's more like kind of what are these individual teams going to look like that, you know, we haven't seen in forever. Um, you know who I'm actually excited to see? I don't know if he'll actually play in Orlando. Bradley Wright Phillips for LAFC. You know, maybe that maybe that replaces Novella. Maybe it just everything just keeps moving. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he scores like a hundred goals, just like he does every season, except the last two seasons. I mean, Wando Wando's definitely going to be the leading goal scorer of this tournament. Oh man! Um, actually, so this is a funny story about Wando. A little bit of a peek behind the curtain here. So last year, just in case he was going to retire at the end of the season, starting with the goal that he broke Landon Donovan's all-time MLS record with, San Jose started collecting every single ball that he scored. And that's kind of a hard thing to do, right? Because the ball goes in the net, then it goes back into play, uh, then it might go out of play, and you got to keep eyes on it the whole time. And which ball boy has it and does it go back in and so on and so forth. He scored like 10 more goals after he broke Landon's record, and they were able to track down every single one of them except for the last one, which I believe was at Portland, maybe on the final day of the season. I can't remember exactly the story now. Um, But so they don't have Wando's last last goal they don't have the ball that he scored his last goal with which as of now is the all-time mls record right that is that is the number that is the number uh, that that everyone else is chasing in the mls record books um and they don't have that ball so san jose for obvious reasons really want him to score um but they really want him to score so they can they can get the ball that actually has the record <laughs> kind of an interesting um behind the scenes story at least i thought it was interesting I'm really um, i hear what you're saying really hopeful that you're writing that story for us. <laughs> that it's not just on this podcast. It's a good story. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could. I don't, I don't know. You can write it. I don't care well, anymore. No, Nothing has any meaning. Nothing matters. MLS is back. Trademark. <laughs> so, sorry, I got a little weird there. Um, I did want to say, I am really excited for this tournament. And I, I, I feel like there's a perception out there about how I feel about the league. Um, and that perception among certain people is that I don't like it. And um, while I understand that, 
because I can be frustrated with MLS and exasperated. And, you know, sometimes that boils over in a tweet or two. I, I don't hate MLS. If I hated MLS and then this is my job for a living, I would be quite the masochist. And I'm not that kind of person. I don't really like pain. It hurts. I'm kind of a wuss. Um, but I'm really excited for this tournament because I think it's got serious potential for MLS to just be the stupid, wacky league of chaos that it is. And that's a big part of the reason that I love MLS. Weird stuff happens on the field all the time. I wrote an entire like three thirty five hundred word article about this in the fall when the playoffs were happening about, you know, the top 10 or something chaotic moments in MLS playoff recent history. <laughs> and like this league, it's not always the best. The defending can kind of be shambolic at times. The attacking play can be really good. You know, if you have a Vela or Jovinko out there, some of the other players down league history that have been excellent in the attack going up against, you know, some of the, uh, college defenders who come out of the come out of the NCAA straight into the starting 11 and are making like 30 grand going against Robbie Keane that's not really a fair fight right but it does lead to some kind of crazy hijinks out there and, and weird things happening and when you're talking about this tournament and you're talking about every team playing every four or five days in a hundred degree heat in Orlando on short rest you know you're gonna have guys that don't usually play getting runs um, against some of the biggest stars in the league you know you're gonna have Chicharito going against a dynamo backline that has had its problems uh, but shut him down in the opener if I'm remembering correctly that feels like ages ago anyway what I'm trying to say is that this tournament, you know, played in a swamp in a city that, you know, was an orange citrus kind of center until Disney decided to create the world's most manicured playground, um, you know, in it, um, and then turned it into some tourism mecca. In a city that is centered around a literal fake castle, um, you have this crazy potential crazy mls tournament weird soccer frankenstein monster stuff um that could be happening and i'm really excited for that yeah i think we're gonna just like i think the the best way to encapsulate it is just like this is the perfect place for for mls to be mls you know it's just it's the perfect stage and yeah. uh i think it's gonna happen man really i think is. there's gonna be some weird stuff i'm hopeful to see some new names pop out i'm hopeful for some young players to impress, I'm excited to see some veterans and some young guys trying to play, you know, through Orlando Heat for the first time. Uh, it's going to be bad. I actually, I'd love to see some of the training sessions midday in Orlando. Um, having, having, I don't think they're going to be training very hard them down there. Before. Man. I really don't. <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting. And you know, I'm, I've also kind of enjoyed, in a weird way, the you know watching kind of the 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 kinks get worked out of players as they play in their first game watching them kind of re-establish the pace of play that's needed and we've seen it in the premier league some of the mistakes that have happened that have led to goals and it kind of can create these wide open games and mls was already kind of wide open and so i i'm expecting a lot of goals and and (laughs) and just you know maybe not the the most perfect and best soccer but um, entertaining games. And that's, that's typical MLS. It's just going to be, like you said, it's just going to be amplified. I will say there are a few specific outcomes that I'm really cheering for. And I think top of that list for me is, is new to get on the field and to do his thing. 
Um, I think Brian Schmetzer, Seattle coach, had a, I think this was a quote that you shared I in our Slack channel you. today. I so got cool. very excited. So yeah, you take it away. You probably remember it better than I do. You take it away. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember New Who. Quotes, what did Schmetzer there, say about New Who? You don't remember it? Okay, basically Schmetzer was saying that New Who um, occasionally just crushes this rookie on the Sounders in training sessions um, because New Who, you know, he likes to dribble. He's not worried about getting in on a challenge, and you know, he's going a hundred miles an hour at all times with no regard for his surroundings or human life, and so he crushes this rookie a few times. And so Schmetzer says, you know. This kid, he gets hit by Nuhu quite a bit, and he's got to pick himself up and say, man, that's what it's like to get smacked by Nuhu Tolo. And I just, I, I read that and I died laughing. So <laughs> I, I hope that a few people get Schmetzer. smacked by the, Nuhu Tolo. The, the quote is better because it's Schmetzer. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, ho- it's holy smokes. Yeah. Holy smokes. This is what it's like playing against <laughs> Nuhu Tolo. Holy smokes! It's a turnpike tussle out here in Florida. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm hoping for Nuhu to to really you know get out there and, and show us show us a few moves, burn a few few people, maybe mega guy or two. Um, you know, if that happens, I'll leave the MLS back tournament um, a happy man. Personally, are there any uh, specific outcomes that you're rooting for? They don't have to be that weird, um, but you know, if they are, I'm not going to complain. Oh, I'm 100 percent rooting for Orlando City to win this thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow, your hometown team. I just think it would be the perfect, like, it's like the upside down, you know? Everyone makes fun yeah. of Orlando. They've never won, you know, it's, and why They've are never they made seated? the playoffs. Which They've is, never made the playoffs. Which is astounding. How do you Very never difficult. make the playoffs? You know, they've joke. never made the playoffs. The Pride <laughs> have never made the playoffs. You know, the Orlando City the B has pride, struggled. Yeah. You know, in, in general, the organization has struggled. And here here they're back at their homeland, right? They're back at Disney. It's where they had their glory days. Uh, the USL team yeah. that, that set all these records and scored so many goals. And Dom Dwyer and Kevin Molino. And they were just this dominant USL side. And so how perfect yeah. and hilarious. It's where half it their be. men's and women's teams got kicked out of Epcot one time, too. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think it would just be the perfect upside down moment uh, that would fit this kind of upside down world we live in now. Yeah. So, so you're you're rooting for them to win this and then never win anything again. Just continue being Orlando City in real kind life. Of, kind of. Yeah. I'm I don't. I don't that. know if I should. I, I'm not really rooting for anyone. But if we're going to talk about chaos, like what more would, can you ask for than Orlando City winning the tournament and going to Champions League? Side note. Yeah. Oh my goodness! There's no fan that I would have more confidence holding their own at Saprissa than Orlando City's fans. I'll say that too. I can't tell if you're being serious or not. No, I mean I I would like to see Orlando City fans at Saprissa Stadium. Purple on purple, right there. That's a rare thing in the world, um, but it would be exciting. Uh, I'm also rooting for a completely random rivalry to be born out of this. Mm. You know, a lot of people talk about RSL and Kansas City, um, who, you know, by the way, are grouped together in this tournament um, as one that was just born out of, you know, it was a preseason game in like 2010 or 2011. And Roger Espinoza and Javi Morales, I believe, got into it and uh, bad blood flowed for years. And that's still somewhat kind of flowing even today. Um, between those clubs so i'm hoping that there's some incident down there whether it's on the fields or maybe at a ping pong table in the hotel um that creates really just some true hatred um between two clubs that you know 
wouldn't have any other reason to really be rivals. Maybe, uh, maybe like Atlanta and Columbus or, you know, um, Dallas and San Jose. I don't know. Just, just give me some, give me some hatred. A real rivalry is never a bad thing. Um, and MLS loves its rivalries and, and the more that are actually have some feeling behind them, the better. What if, what if this entire tournament went upside down? (laughs) I can't get my mind off of this. You know, so much effort went into staging this tournament. What if like, you know, group A had like Orlando city, Chicago and Nashville advance, you know, group B was, you know, Vancouver and San Jose group C is Montreal and new England. Group um, D is Colorado yeah, and I don't know. I think Salt Lake. Group E would be Cincinnati and Columbus and Group F was Houston and Portland and the third place team that came out of it all was uh Minnesota United. I mean, I, I think that's what I'm rooting for. Those are my picks. <laughs> I think, you know, you mentioned Cincinnati and Columbus getting out of one group. Uh they their rivalries, the hell is real, Darby and uh you know, I think if that was the outcome, Paul, hell would be kind of real for, for the folks at the MLS League offices. I'm not sure that they would be thrilled with that kind of outcome. Um, but yeah, so I think I think this whole thing is going to be fun. I think it's going to be exciting. I'm excited for it. I am hopeful that it goes off without, without much of a hitch uh, because it is a scary situation for the people going down there and it's going to be stressful and it's raising anxiety already. So hopefully it goes off safely. I think that's the most important thing. And hopefully we have some soccer in two weeks if, if everything is safe and sound. Hopefully they're able to get out there and, and kind of enjoy themselves because, you know, the players want to get back out there. The coaches want to get back out there. Everyone wants this as long as it can be done in a positive, healthy, safe way. And so hopefully MLS can achieve that. And, uh, you know, we can look back on this in years and, and laugh and enjoy it. Um, because geez, it's been kind of a slog getting here, my man. And I will say this is kind of a test, I think of our listeners, but also an easy way out for me. But we, we've been trying to think of, I think trying to think about turning our brains from what our reporting life has been over the last few months back into something resembling kind of soccer reporters and writing about soccer. And so, um, you know, as we come back into a world where soccer will be the focus for for a while, at least, and and potentially, um, you know, every day we'll be talking about the the actual games and the sport. You know, if there if you're a listener and you have a, a player on the team that you that you're curious about or something with your team that you think needs to be written about, you know, shoot shoot us a a message on Twitter because you know we we do want to get back into talking about soccer at some point and. You know, maybe we can write about it. Maybe we can talk about it on the show. Um, you know, as much as we joke and I, I joke about kind of this tournament being the upside down and being hard to kind of care about soccer and all of that, you know, I do want to say that occasionally, not very often, but occasionally this podcast and the people on this podcast will take soccer seriously and, and not just Tam, Gam and COVID. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. I second everything Paul said. Um And I think with that, I think we can sign off for the night unless there's anything else you need to get off your chest. No, I'm going to go have a beer, Sam. (laughs) You enjoy that. I might join you in that. Um, Until next time.
this has been allocation disorder. Hopefully we'll be one week closer to games and uh, we can do a real, maybe we can do a real proper preview show. First one in allocation disorder history, perhaps um, before, uh, before the MLS back tournament kicks off. But until then, thank you for listening. I am Sam Stasekel. He is Paul Tenorio signing off. Mm-hmm.